and turn to Matthew chapter 1 today. And coming up on the Christmas season, the next three Sundays, I've really been praying and seeking the Lord on a series to do um, that we can kind of focus in on. And really what kept coming back to my mind and back to my heart, and a couple days ago I began to just sketch out a path to go forward the next three Sundays before we celebrate Christmas on Saturday the 25th. And uh, how many can believe it's already December 5th, y'all? If you haven't bought those presents in today's economy, you ain't getting them yet. So you may have to do some homemade presents this year. So I, I told Leah, I said, you're getting some crafty presents made, made at the table this year. She didn't seem too thrilled. So, But God is calling us to live radically dependent upon his power. And as I began to just seek him and began to just sketch out the next few weeks, Here in Matthew 1, I think one of the greatest things that we can understand and know during the Christmas season is right before the passage we're going to read in Matthew 1, they told them what to name Jesus. They said, his name shall be called Yeshua, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. If people ask today, do I really need to be saved? Well, it's right there. What, What am I saved from? You're saved from your sin. Anybody glad this morning that he saved you, he delivered you, he healed you? Man, I'm so thankful. And this time of year is just a special time to focus on the fact of this. And this is where I'm going the next few weeks. I felt uh, specifically led that God is with us. Everybody say, God is with us. I think one of the greatest messages that we find in Scripture is that then it goes on here in Matthew 1.23. If you're there, say amen. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I kind of struggled for a few days because I thought, Lord, I really focus in on this a lot during this time of year and really at other times of the year. So I kind of struggled with this is the direction of the Lord. I felt very strongly that it was. So this week we're going to talk about God is with us in the valley. Say, God is with me in the valley. God is with me. In the boat, boat. and God is with me always. Always. That's going to be our series for the next three weeks. So tonight, today, we're going to talk about God is with me in the valley. This verse is foundational to our faith because it tells us that God is with us. And this verse is very easy to believe when you're on the mountaintop, amen? When you're on the mountaintop, everything's good. When you're on the mountaintop... Everything seems to be going right. When you're on the mountaintop, the presence of God is very close, and it seems very real, and it seems very near to you. And what I've found is in life, we can be on the mountaintop even in one area of our life and be in a valley in other areas. In other words, you can, your marriage can finally be doing really well, and then you find out one of your kids is struggling or Your job can be going really well or your family situation is struggling. So sometimes the mountains and the valleys are actually things that we're going through simultaneously. And it can be difficult. And I've shared this testimony before, but I felt like sharing it again today because it really has a very profound effect on me at this time in my life. Because up until this point in my life, I had grown a lot in my faith. I was in ministry for a few years at this point really doing well. Leah and I were expecting our first child just that coming December, November. He was due in November, correct? And he ended up being born in October, Hudson. And Leah was about four months pregnant, and God gave us a call, literally a call, and I've shared that testimony too. But we felt very strongly 
that Leah and I were going to go and be on the mission field and run an orphanage. And we didn't have any kids yet, and we were going to take care of 32 kids in the mountains of Ecuador, and we knew it was God. How many understand when you know something's God, you don't ask all the particulars of it, you just obey what he's telling you to do. So in obedience, we got on a plane. We had never met these people, never met these kids. Uh, Like I said, 32 kids. Do you know how much laundry 32 children can create? Was it not about 30 loads a day? Am I right? And no dryers. We had washers, but we didn't have dryers. It was Leah and I and what was supposed to be a whole staff of people at this orphanage. What we found out when we landed, when we're driving about six hours into the Andes Mountains in a Subaru Outback that had 365,000 miles on it and had rust places in the back seat, did it not? And the exhaust kept leaking in through the back all the way through this. And that's when you got to know that you know that God called you to do something. You really do. And uh, we finally made it there. And what we found out on the way is they had to fire two of their main staff people, two, one of which cooked most of the meals. So this was just getting better and better. Now, there were two young 19-year-old young people who wanted to serve on the mission field from Canada. These folks were from Canada. And they were there to help us, so they helped us with the laundry. So really it was just Leah and these two young ladies doing laundry because Jason doesn't do laundry. No, I'm kidding. I helped with the laundry. I helped hang it and stuff. But my point in telling you this story is I remember a particular day. We struggled mightily. Leah was, I don't know how many women would go on the mission field at five months pregnant. That's why some, I, I, some, I see some young ladies and, like, you know, they're pregnant and they're being fed bonbons in bed. Come on, somebody. Well, I can't get up and go across the room. My wife was on the mission field. She, this woman's a trooper, y'all. I'll just tell you that right now. She is. She is. But she complained the whole time. No. <laughs> it was a struggle. And they left and went back to Canada, left us completely in charge. But here's the thing. In the first couple of months we were there, it was a mighty struggle, especially cooking food. We were responsible for dinner. And I remember a couple of nights, we just fixed them popcorn and hot chocolate. We... We made them think it was just movie night, and they get excited, and that's really about all we could cook, am I right? <laughs> Bless these kids' hearts. But we struggled mightily, and I remember one particular day, and this, this was right before Mother's Day in 2005. And we struggled, and I remember I was outside, and I was praying, and I've shared this before, but for the sake of many here who may have just come in the last couple of years, I was walking around the courtyard of this big compound that housed the orphanage, a beautiful place. And right there in the distance was one of the tallest mountains in the world. Because of the equator, it actually sits and is the furthest peak from the, from the you know, ground of the, of the world. And it's called Mount Chimborazo in Ecuador. And that particular day, I remember that it was just one of the most beautiful sights, this snow-peaked mountain and just... I was praying, and I, was, I felt like I was on the mountaintop because we had overcome all the challenges up to that point. And I even remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I've climbed up this mountain. I've gotten to the top, and God, things are going good. Have you ever been there where you just kind of say, God, everything's just good. Finally, finally made it to the top of this peak. And the very next day, I got a phone call that my oldest brother had committed suicide. 
And I remember getting that phone call from my, from my dad, my sister-in-law first, and then my dad got on the phone. And this was from one day to the next. I went from the mountaintop. Are you listening to me? Clear down into the valley. I went from probably one of the most highest places spiritually in my spiritual walk with the Lord to the very lowest place that I had ever found myself up until that point. We were doing well. We had finally overcome. Finally got to that mountaintop on the very next day. All I knew to do was to put my old headphones on and to go back out into that same courtyard where I'd been the day before. And as I walked around, I looked back up towards that mountain that the day before had been so clear and so beautiful and so so meaningful to me on that day. I looked, and you couldn't see anything. It was covered completely by clouds. And the Holy Spirit chose that moment to to speak to me. And what he said is, he said, Jason, is that mountain still there? And I said to the Lord, yes, I believe it's still there. And he said, that's like life. Even though something is obscured, doesn't mean that it changes. What I want to talk to you about today is that mountaintop experiences with God are wonderful, they're meaningful, and they help you grow. But what I've learned in life, church, is that when God is with you in the deepest valley that you face is when you don't just learn about his comfort and character, you actually learn who he is in your life. It's not the mountaintop experiences that change you as much as the valley floor that at times in life that you find yourself in. Because here's what God promises us and what God tells us. He tells us that I am with you. Amen? Amen. This was a very pivotal time in my life because I saw the faithfulness of God in ways that I had never experienced before. That's a question we ask ourselves when we're faced with difficult circumstances is where is God when life gets us to those valley places? When life just doesn't seem to be heading in the direction that you thought it would. If you look in scripture, valleys are places of battles. Valleys are places of loneliness. They're times of desperation. But here's the good news. This is good news. The valleys were also times of growth. And even though it may be difficult, you often grow in the difficult times as well. The reason is you experience God in a unique way when you're in the valley than when you do on the mountaintop. You may enjoy God on the mountaintop, but you get to know God intimately when you're in the valley. Amen? I want to read to you three scriptures from Psalm 84. Again, today is God is with us in the valley. Next week, God is with us in the boat, and then the third Sunday, God is with us always. Psalm 84, verse 5 through 7 says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. You may say, what in the world does that mean this morning? Let's break it down. The valley of Baca, this word is one letter away from the tree that is known as the weeper. 
The tree that was known in the weeper in the, all through the Old Testament, when you see the valley of weeping or you see a place of weeping, it was often referencing to this tree that the tree, the way, it, the way that it would, uh, its sap would come down, it looked like a weeping tree. It looked like a place of weeping. And in valleys in Bible times, valleys were dangerous, difficult. There was wild animals. There were robbers. In other words, when you see valley here in Psalm 84, it means exactly what you would think it means. It meant that it wasn't a place that you wanted to find yourself in because something bad usually happened in the valleys. In those times, it was dangerous. The road was dangerous. Robbers, thieves, things, weather would change, and they would get stuck out in the cold or stuck out in rain or anything else. Like, In other words, it wasn't a picnic. The valley is not a picnic. The valley you may find yourself in today is not a picnic. These were hard places. But the psalmist in verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is found in your God. What does this mean? Those who don't know God, they get to the place where their strength is all that they have. Are you thankful at times in your life when you find yourself in the valley, in the difficult place, that you don't have to rely on your strength? There is a strength beyond yourself that God gives his people. We have a, a very, we idolize independence in our society. I want to tell you something this morning. I have learned that when my strength is gone and my strength is depleted and my strength is something that, in other words, we say to people, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just get up and get on with it. Just get up. Can I tell you, God says in Scripture that we praise God because our strength is found in Him and Him alone. So there is a strength that is beyond yourself that when you find yourself in the valley, it is not you any longer. It's God who strengthens you in that place and in that valley. Here's why. He created you and I to be dependent upon him. And he created you and I to be dependent on each other. Amen? I thank God I go to a church where I can be dependent on other people sitting right here in front of me. We were created to need a strength beyond what we have. The reason we were created to need a strength beyond what you have this morning is because God always wants you to point yourself back to him. I remember a long time ago, it was a long time ago. As you can tell, I don't lift weights anymore. But when we got a new football coach my senior year, he was specialized in working out. He was a big man. I mean, he was just huge. So he came in and brought a new weightlifting program to our football team. And it was different than what we had done the the previous few years because when he taught us how to lift, the last set that we would do would be the type of set that we just kept on lifting until we literally could not lift it anymore. And it usually wasn't with heavy weights. It was with very light. It's kind of embarrassing if a friend walked in and you're lifting the bar because it's only 45 pounds. But what it was, what the point of it was, was depleting all of your strength. Are you listening to me? So that other strength could come and be built into you. Some of you are in a valley place and you're wondering why you don't feel the strength. Can I tell you, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And there is a strength that God is pointing you to this morning in the valley that is far beyond yourself. There's a strength in the valley. Paul actually said this, it's when I'm weak that I'm actually strong. 
that doesn't make any sense until you understand his strength is made perfect in weakness. In the middle of the valley, when we think we can't go on, we can find strength. Why? Because our God is with us. That's what he promised. Let's read on. The New Living Translation reads it like this. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. So in this passage, what was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was known as the city of refuge. It was the city of peace. Now watch this. To get to the city of refuge, you had to pass through the valley of tears. Are you following me? For some, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. And it's a glorious place, to be honest. It's an awesome place. When you pass through the valley, when you pass through the place of weeping, God doesn't want you to stop in the middle of the valley and be broken and despondent and be overcome by the things going on in your life. God wants to bring you all the way through it to the place of peace. But you had to pass through the valley of tears. Because when you're in the valley, you don't feel like you have what it takes. And if you don't feel like you have, you have what it takes, can I tell you something this morning? God will carry you. That's, if God's with us and God knows we don't have the strength, God will pick you up and carry you to where you need to go. Here are some truths you'll find out in the valley. Number one, God is with you. Everybody say, God is with me. Doesn't it say that? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. God's strength becomes real in that place. His presence literally goes with us. Number two, it says these people's mind is set towards God and pilgrimage. Can I tell you something this morning, church, and this is so important. Listen to me. Listen to your pastor for just a few minutes. What you think about is so important. When you find yourself in a valley, when you find yourself in a place where it doesn't feel like you can move on any further and get to Jerusalem, get to the place God is bringing you to, how many would understand and agree we all find ourselves in valleys? I guarantee you you will. But we see the valley and we see the difficulty a lot of times as God is punishing us. God is not punishing you. God is teaching you how to rely on him in a fresh new way. And what you think about When I was faced with the situation that I was in, my first thing, and I know we all do this, when there's a sudden loss or something happens that's out of what we think God has for us, is we began to simply say, God, why? And then we go on and we say, but if only I had done this, or if I'd only been home, if I'd only been there for my brother, if I'd only been around, if I only would have prayed more, if I only would have done this, if I only would have done that, and all those questions begin to swirl around us, and we get so caught up in the questions, we forget just to put our minds on a pilgrimage that that is not the final resting place. The questions you have are legitimate, and at some point in time, I found this out about God, He will bring things full circle, and you will look back and see an answer to a lot of things that happen in your life. But when you're in the middle of the questioning, the best thing you can do is set your mind and your heart on the things of God. You may be in the valley, but we can have our minds fixed on the things of God. Your heart may be overwhelmed, but my my mind is fixed. My soul may be racing in this moment, but my mind is fixed. I know who he is, and I believe his word, and my mind is fixed on his provision. Oftentimes, our faith 
is much more taking the lens of the Bible and the Word of God and putting it on, on like a pair of glasses. Because I could have mollygrubbed and I could have asked all the... And I did. I, I did all the questions. I did all the stuff. But looking back now, I see the faithfulness of God in everything that He had done. Even, even I couldn't even get home. I'm 2,800 miles in the mountains of Ecuador. I couldn't even, how many understand when your parents are going through something as their son, you want to be there? When your brothers are going through something, you want to be there. When your whole family, my nieces and nephews, when they're going through something, you want to be there. And, and I, this is no joke. I could not get out of where I was. The airport was seven hours through the mountains, and there was nobody there to get me out of there. All of a sudden, remember this, we get a phone call from the missionary who we were connected with that God has sent, you know, the whole thing came through him. He wasn't supposed to be in Ecuador for two more weeks. We get a phone call out of the blue a couple hours later. Hey, I happen to be back in Quito or happen to be back in Rio Bamba. What's going on? And I said, you're here in Rio Bamba? He said, yeah, we weren't expecting to come back, but we're back and I'm driving. Can we check on you? So I, I told him the situation. He said, we'll be there to pick you up in an hour. Turned around, got in the mountains, drove all the way back. I was flying out the next day. Do you understand that oftentimes life isn't about looking at all the bad? It's about showing that God is with you no matter where you are. But you've got to look. You've got to have your mind fixed on God. Even those clouds that obscured everything around me in that mountain that I thought, God, I conquered this. God, I, I'm on the mountaintop with you. God, we finally broke through. We're doing good. We're doing great. And to have a situation happen, and we've all had these things. God, the valley is not the final destination. Amen? We may be in the valley, but you're just say I'm just passing through. <laughs> Everybody say this, this too shall pass. Is that not true? This too shall pass. It may be in a difficult season. It may be a place of weeping. It may be a place of tears. It may be a place where your heart is literally broken over the situation or the circumstance or what's going on in your life or your job or your family or your marriage or whatever it is. But can I tell you this something this morning, that God, if you'll allow him, if you'll set your mind on pilgrimage, if you'll set your mind on him, if you'll set your mind on things above and not below, God will get you through. Because here's the principle we find in Psalm 84. Oftentimes when we're in the valley, we want to get out. But the way is through, not out. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley. It's through and not out. And here's the fourth thing. They make it a place of springs. Everybody say springs. The King James Version says this. They make it a well. Don't miss this, and it's where we are. So many of you are this morning. When they were passing through the valley on the way to the mountain of God, God's place of peace, God's place of meeting, God's place of victory, God's place of healing, God's place of restoration. How many understand God's a restoring God? That's who he is. What do they do? It says they dig a well. A well is just a small container 
to hold something from above, right? It says, as they pass through this valley, on their way, keeping their heart, their faith, their mind set on things above, that they actually, in the middle of that circumstance, in the middle of that situation, they just begin to create a small container for God to fill. Amen? To, to what? To catch the rain from heaven. The rain from heaven will nourish your dry and thirsty soul. What do you do when you're in a dry place in the Valley of Tears? You make it a well. Here's the thing. Yeah, I've, I've been digging a well, I, Pastor. I've been, I've been digging this place, and I don't know that God will fill it. Can I tell you in faith today that if you dig it, God will fill it? Here's what you do. You dig it, and then you begin to trust God that he will begin to make it rain in your situation. As you keep your faith in your heart focused on him, and you begin to dig a well, do you understand that your faith is as much predicated on your reaction to the situation as it is the situation? You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is everywhere, almost everywhere Jesus went, he didn't necessarily tell them, have more faith. He told them, like the man with the withered hand. What did he tell the man with the withered hand? Stretch out your hand. Church, we have our part to play if we're going to get through the valley and to the other side of it. He comes to another man and he says, hey, take up your mat and begin to walk. Well, I can't walk. Take up your mat and begin to walk. The best thing I can tell you for some of you in here this morning that are facing places in the valley that you feel completely defeated is you need to just begin to stretch out some things. You need to begin to believe God that he's going to rain, even though nobody else says it's going to rain, and fill the well that you began to dig. Are you following me? When we do our part, God does his part. I think of Elijah, and I love this about Elijah because he sees a great victory, fire falls from heaven, and it burns up all the, all the enemies of God, all the false prophets and all that kind of stuff. But it hadn't rained in years. They were in a drought. Some of you aren't in a valley of drought. Some of you are in a valley of doubt this morning about who God is and that if he's with you or not. And I came to tell you, your God is with you. It says it in Matthew 1 that he will be with us. If you've given him your life, no matter what you face, you can count on God is with you there in the middle of it. And and here's, here's what happens to Elijah. He says this, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He heard it. Nobody else could see it. But church, can I give you a key to get all the way through the valley? You've got to say what you hear. I'll say it again. When God speaks to you, you have to say what you hear. Because that is a place of faith that will get you through the valley that you're in this morning is saying what you hear. Nobody else saw rain. Hadn't rained in years. Even the servant, listen, even the servant that was with him, He looked at him and he said, go up and look. He prayed, go up and look. He prayed, go up and look. And every time, God, see, the enemy is going to send people in your life when you're in the valley. And that's when the enemy shows up. And I know that God said that you're healed by his stripes, but the doctor said that it's getting worse. Come on. 
I know that God said that if you'll bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, I'll open up a window from heaven and bless you, but your finances aren't going in the right direction, then the word of God must not be true. The enemy always shows up in the valley, but Elijah had enough faith to say, go and look again. Go and look again. Can I tell you this morning when you're in the valley and and you're digging that well, when you're stretching out your hand even though it's crippled, when you're taking up your mat even though you don't feel like that you can walk on another single moment because what you're going through seems so difficult, can I tell you, just do it again. Just continue to believe. Continue to have faith. Just because other people in your life can't see what God said, if God said it and you say it, because it doesn't say if you just look at the mountain, come on. It says, say to this mountain. Some of you need to begin to speak your way out of the valley you're in because God is with you. And when God's with you, then you have faith in your heart and you can begin to see what you say because you heard it in your spirit. Come on, I'm preaching a lot better than your amen right now. And I'm telling you what the key to get out of your valley is this morning isn't to stay there in the molly grubs. Going back to my story, I had all the questions. I had all the hurt. I had all the desire. I kind of got to get back to, back to home. I walked over to that place where I'm looking at the mountain. And I began to say what I was hearing in my heart. And what I said was, God, I I hate this right now. I, I do not like this place I'm in. But from my mouth, I said, God, I believe you're good. And I believe you're with me. Because God, this is exactly what I said from my mouth. Exactly what I said. Because, Lord, you said you would never leave me. And you said you would never forsake me. And you're not a God who goes back on your word. When you're in the valley, you've got to remember to begin to dig a well for the rain that God will send because he's a faithful God. He will send it, but you have to be a spiritual ditch digger, so to speak. Amen? You have to begin to dig him and form him a place for him to send what it is that he's going to send when you're in the midst of the valley. Because I want to tell you something this morning. Because I'm looking at a group of people that I know some of the situations you're in. And I came to tell you something this morning. The valley is not the end destination. It says those who have their hearts set on pilgrimage. Sometimes you have to just take the attitude of Jesus. It says like Flint, he set his face towards Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? It was the place of death. Here's a word for some of you. You need to die to what you thought was going to happen so God can resurrect what he thought, what he believes is going to happen. How many just enjoy figuring things out for God? Oh, I do too. God, this is how it should go. This is exactly how all this should play out. And how many have come to learn God does it completely differently? Completely different. What I'm talking about this morning and over the next three weeks 
is that you can face whatever comes your way because God is with us. Of all the things that he could have said in that, in Matthew one twenty three, of all the things that could have been said in that moment, he'll save you from your sins. He will come and kick the Romans out. He's going to be a conquering king. Just like we were singing this morning, he's coming back with the sword in his hand. He's going to put all this right. All the stuff we look around and say, God, this just ain't right. He's going to fix it. And we're going to be right there with him. Praise God. He didn't say he's going to come and solve all your problems. Are you listening to him? He didn't say that. Because the mountaintop, you get a glimpse of God that is so huge. You're, you, you can't even believe that he loves you like he does. Listen to me. It's in the valley that you get to know him intimately. Anybody else testify to that? There's such a closeness. That's what I remember. That's what I remember so distinctly, so distinctly about that time in my life is that God just picked me up and carried me. This was the worst loss that I'd ever experienced. Sudden, unexpected. Worst thing I've ever gone. And I'll tell you this too, for, for weeks. That's why if you come up around this altar at any time during worship or today after when we do an altar call, listen, I, I just, at altar call times at church, when I was back home in Louisiana, I used to just go stand. Here's the great thing. Nobody came to me and tried to do anything, to speak anything. They just, here's what people would do. I had brothers just come and lay their hands on my back. And, and I just needed Jesus with skin on at that moment. That's what we are to each other. I just felt strength just begin to come back into me. And listen, that was one of the toughest things, but I've been through a lot of tough things since. Losing children. But in every one of those situations, I picture that mountain in my mind, covered in clouds, completely obscured from view. And I've said to myself many times, looking at my situation, and declare with my lips, my God is faithful. My God see me through this. My God can see me through more. Are you with me this morning? Because he's faithful. At this Christmas season, that's I want you to wake up on Christmas morning and wake up and celebrate the faithfulness of God. You say, I don't have anything to celebrate. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Here's why. Because this is as bad as it gets. And even the, even the difficulties and the trials, what they're doing according to scripture is they're purifying your faith. It is, it is a purification that we should thank God that he purifies and corrects us. Because if we're not children, we don't get corrected. I invite the correction of the Holy Spirit because it proves that I belong to him. How many understand with your children, I hope, that you correct them? If you don't, there are going to be problems, amen? Some of you are looking at a valley of financial lack. Some of you are looking at a valley of loneliness. Some of you are looking at a valley of sickness. 
Here's the other thing from the life of Elijah that I thought of just off the top of my heart. His miracles start small. When he went back up, the man finally came down to the servant and he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He said what he heard. And he continued to believe in the, in the valley that could have turned into doubt. And, well, God, I guess you're not going to make it rain. He refused. And I love the fact that James goes on to tell us, tells us that Elijah is a man just like us. Because we, we all are like that ship on a wave that waver. Amen? I'd like to say I have great faith that I believe every day that I wake up that some miracle is going to happen. But a lot of times I find myself in the valley of doubt. I just need God to come along sometimes and encourage me. That even though something starts small, if, if, if you're dealing with sickness this morning, like this morning, I woke up feeling better than I have in six days. And I took it and I said, God, you're healing my body. Amen. And tomorrow's going to be better. Amen. And tomorrow, the next day after that's going to be better. Amen. Most of the time we get ourselves and stay in the valley because we refuse to receive the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we get, we get in such a hurry, don't we? I love the song we sang this morning about just abiding, just being there with God. We live such rushed lives that we forget to slow down even in the valley and just look around at what God is doing. Don't miss it. We live a, I mean, if we'd, a, if we'd have lived in the days of Moses and the burning bush, we'd have flown by at 70 in our SUV. Take a picture. Put it on Instagram. But God said, this is a holy place. I look back at my life, and that valley became a holy place. That valley became a place of springs. That valley became a place where, yes, I had to dig a well of faith, but God is faithful to rain and fill it, and we get so hurried. If you're in a valley right now, God never promised you you would not go through valleys, but he did promise we wouldn't have to go through them alone. He is with you. And it says they go from strength to strength. When you are at the end and you feel like you can't go on, we can go from strength to strength because God's goodness will bring you from strength to strength. God is always good. And as we walk, we go from a little strength to a little more strength to a little more strength and a little more strength. But here's the thing, and this is the key from Psalm 84. You've got to fix your mind on the things above and not the things below. You must fix your mind on a pilgrimage. Most people don't get taken out by the enemy as much as they just quit moving forward in faith, and the devil gets them. Amen? The scripture in Matthew that we began with, the announcement of Mary, there would be a birth of the Savior. Here are some things that show us God is with us. Stand with me, because I'm not going to be long. Where's Kayla Crump? Is she still in here? She's in youth. Need a piano player. Tammy's upstairs too. I may just sing for y'all. I feel sorry for my kids. Oh, Lapita, thank you. Lapita. God always provides. I feel sorry for my kids because I was just a singing. And when my chest isn't congested, I can't sing either way. I can kind of see them cut their eyes like, would you not sing so loud? Here's what my kids should know about me. I'm always going to sing to my last breath. 
Here's the first thing I want to leave you with today. Jesus is us. I love Matthew because it opens with the genealogy of Jesus. What I love about the genealogy of Jesus is it's real. There's people in there that were scoundrels. There's people in there that were far from God. There's people in there that were close to God. The Bible doesn't gloss over the fact that Jesus came from real people. Do I have any real people in the house this morning? Some are children of Israel and some are children of Ishmael. Some are godly men and women and some are deceptive and selfish. In other words, this is a list of very normal people. Jesus is us and that connection is important. He understands us. When God says, I am with you, we understand he's with us and it's not like he stands at a distance and says, I don't really know what it's like to be in a valley because your God came from a perfect heaven and a throne where he was worshipped and adored and came down to an earth where he was scourged and beaten and crucified. You don't think that Jesus knows what it's like to be in a valley? You don't think Jesus knows what it's like to walk in the shoes that you're walking in? That's not the Jesus we have. Lonely? You feel lonely and abandoned this morning? Jesus was there. Tired and defeated? Jesus was there. Betrayed and rejected? Jesus was there. But there is that critical difference between Jesus and any man. He was born of a virgin. You know, we say that so easily, but we gloss over the fact and and stop for a minute and think about what that means. Jesus was born a human child because the Spirit of God moved inside of a woman's womb. Church, it's not consumerism that's going to destroy Christmas. It's losing wonder at the Christmas story that's going to destroy Think about this for a moment. God, by the Holy Spirit, came upon a woman who had never been with a man and conceived Jesus. Why is that so important this morning? What purpose did that serve? Without the virgin birth, there is no Savior. Simply put, it is this. Humankind simply can't produce its own Savior. We can't save ourselves. And the valley that you're in this morning may be completely custom designed by God for one very important reason, for you to understand you can't save yourself out of that valley. But I got good news. God sent a son. He sent a savior. And lastly and finally, he is with us now. Everybody say now. He's here at your side. As you're spent as you're tired, as you're lonely, whatever it is, he just simply comes alongside of us and says, I am with you. When your home's coming apart, when somebody you know and love has terminal sickness, he's with you. This is not the time for us to be tired and defeated. This is not the time for us to surrender our place in the world and to hide into irrelevance. This is the time that Jesus says, I am here, And I am with you now. He's your light in darkness. He's your peace in the storm. He's your joy in the trouble. He's your strength when you're weak. Psalm 139 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. Can we bow our head and close our eyes this morning? Lord, we thank you this morning that you are with us. We thank you this morning that we are not forsaken and we are not abandoned, but that we have a God who comforts us. We have a God who cares for us. We have a God who sees us right where we are. Lord God, today I want and desire for you just to stir up faith in each one of our hearts that no matter what we see in the natural, that Lord God, you are with us and you are able to overcome the valley. Today we just begin to dig a spiritual well of faith and believe, God, you're going to send the rain. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what a doctor has said, what a spouse has said, what a mom or dad has said. God, you are a faithful God that can stir up faith in our hearts right now. That's my desire for this church and the people in it, that in the valley you would set our minds on the things above, Holy Spirit. Let me ask this question today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You are in a valley. You are in a place where you just say, God, I. this is a place of weeping. This is a place of, of difficulty and trial that I'm in. I need my pastor to pray for me this morning. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. Just put everybody put your hands out in front of you. This is this is our this is our spring. God's gonna rain down right now in this moment for you who raised your hand. Many, many, many of you all across this congregation that you just need God's rain. You just need his rain. Holy Spirit of God, I know you're here. We felt your presence from the very moment we opened this service. God, I thank you for your power that's available to us as your children. I thank you for the comfort and encouragement that's available to us. God, for each person that just needs a special touch from you right here in this congregation, God, I pray the rain of the Holy Spirit begin to fall. Do you, you feel that, church, the Spirit of God just falling and, and refreshing your soul? Let times of refreshing come from the hand of the Lord this morning. Let your comfort, God, let, let your comfort come and surround those who God needs you to pick them up and carry them this morning, God. Let your comfort be with them. Let your, let your presence and your peace be with them right here in this house and in this place, Lord God. God, I pray strength over them. Let the strength of God, let the healing power of the blood of Jesus for those who are in a valley of sickness, who those who are in a valley of God. They hear the doctor's report, but you are in the other ear saying, by my stripes, you are healed this morning. I want you to hear the word of the Lord God Almighty. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bind our hearts and our faith together right now in this moment. Right now in this moment, God, let healing rain fall in this house and in this place. It is the children's bread. It is your desire. We rebuke sickness. And we rebuke disease. We rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus Christ. We rebuke all works and designs of the enemy, God, this morning. And God, that valley that you're walking through, I declare in Jesus' name, they will see Jerusalem. They will see the mountaintop. They will see peace, God. They will come to that place, God, where they look back and they see that you carried them, you healed them. 
and you saved them. My last question this morning. As I said, you cannot save yourself. That's why Jesus Christ was born fully God and fully man. He is the great mediator of the greatest covenant that has ever been given, that God himself made a covenant with himself. (laughs) And we can enter into that covenant by faith this morning. Covenant just means agreement. The agreement is that if you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. I want to ask this question. Would you like to give your heart to Jesus this morning and make him Lord of your life? If anybody says, I just need, before I go here, I need to make things right with Almighty God, would you shoot your hand up so we can pray with you this morning? Amen. 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 I'm going to linger here for a moment because you're holding out because you think that God wants to take your life and... Take away your freedom. Can I tell you something this morning? There's only freedom found in Jesus. That's the only freedom that you'll ever find. The life that you're living, the life that you're living, you're tormented in. And God says the torment ends today if you would but just lay down everything before him. I want to ask again before we pray, because there's people that are going to pray and they're going to get saved from what? Sin. From eternal judgment. I want to offer one more opportunity to shoot that. We're not here to embarrass. This is between you and Almighty God this morning. That's who it's between. And we're going to all pray together. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Anybody else, just shoot your hand up. Acknowledge that. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father. I come to you with an honest heart. I even come to you today with a broken heart, broken by sin, broken by selfishness, wanting to go my own way. Today, Heavenly Father, I turn and I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I repent and turn and put my faith in you, that you died, you were buried, and you rose again. Today, I ask you, come into my life, change my heart. I need you, save me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise God for salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me bless you before we dismiss. Father, may Christian Center Church be blessed going in and blessed going out. May they be blessed in their homes and blessed in their jobs. May your face shine upon them, God. May you turn to them and may you give them peace. May you give them rest. And may you give them divine protection. God, we pray over our whole entire families from the oldest all the way down to our little children here today, that the presence and the favor and the, and the goodness of Almighty God would follow them all the days of their life. And may we, God, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I thank you today that you're with us. May we go from here knowing that your presence never departs. But as we dig that well today, Lord, may you fill it up to overflowing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Go in the name of the Lord, guys. Be blessed. Love you all.